Okay. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Kane, and I have my girl, Randy, with me on the pod. What's up, Randy? Hi. Thanks for, thanks for coming. I like the little applause. Very I'm so happy excited. To so, Randy, let's just dive right into this. Okay. Why are you here today? Because you asked me to be. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, guys. This has been a great episode. We'll see you next time. No. Bye. Happy Friday. <laughs> okay, bye. And everybody just leaves. I, I asked you to be here. You are correct. Yeah. Because of what you do for a living, I think that's very applicable to the times. So now let's get into it. What do you do? I am a financial advisor. Ooh. Yeah, that's like the the simplest uh, yeah. answer to my role, um, and it means different things to different people. Um, I can't, you know, legally call myself a financial planner because there's like licenses and degrees and different things you have to get with that. But ultimately, at the at the end of the day, that's what we do. Um, we help our clients plan um, for the what ifs in life and for the exciting things in life. Um, and I got into this business by the grace of God (laughs) and, um, it's actually pretty ironic. I think we should preface this entire conversation on how you and I know each other. Yeah. yeah, We didn't, I didn't want to get into all that. And how we met in our, in our, in our history and our tenure friendship, which is crazy if you think about it, because we're not old enough to have relationships that, that old, but yeah, yeah, Chris and I met, what, Miami, Miami. 10 years ago, yeah. and uh, we both worked for Equinox. Yeah, that's right. And um, I've since retired from the fitness <laughs> industry um, at a full capacity, and I chose a different career. And my, my interest in this career and in this business was ultimately because I am on this earth to help people in some form or fashion, right? Right. So my cousin, who has had a very successful practice um, with our company for almost 20 years in New York, um, actually got into the business through my dad, who had a very successful practice for about 18 years. Um, I somehow got, got dragged in, and I'm so grateful because, one, it was never something that I saw myself doing, but I really didn't know what the career entailed, and now that I'm in it... Um, it's been such a blessing, especially during this time, um, not only for myself, because you look at the timeline of um, all the choices that I've made, I actually <laughs> exited the fitness industry yeah. um, pre-pandemic. So, you know, my heart definitely breaks and, and goes out to the, the fitness industry, which has been a part of my life since I was a teenager, um, and seeing what this pandemic has done to that world and to my my friends and my peers but the blessing in all of this is I've actually seen um, people in the industry yourself included you know really pivot in a positive way um, when it comes to building a a personal practice and and a business outside of you know the gym and the studios and working for somebody else um, and becoming these entrepreneurs overnight and one of the areas that you know we specialize in is business owners, right? And making sure that they have all the things that they need that they're not getting because they're no longer connected to a company that provides those things like benefits, right? Health insurance, um, life insurance, disability insurance, 
um, all the things that they need, a 401k, right? Like you have to either get those things on your own or you're gifted them from an employer. So it's been a really interesting time um, for that and more or less just kind of being um, a sounding board and that voice of reason and a positive voice in the midst of a lot of negative things and sad things that have been happening to us in this country um, and all over the world, you know, when it comes to financial planning, um, it's, that's all it is, it's planning. And nobody, including myself, was prepared for this pandemic. Let me, let, me, yeah. let, me ask, let me ask you a question because this is gonna like, I'm sure people listening out there, what are some of the myths about financial planning and all that? Because I'm gonna tell you from my background, I'm sure people of my ilk, that always seemed like something you did once you got successful. Like, okay, now, now that I have a, I'm making some money, let me start putting money away. And when you could afford to have some maybe discretionary money, some money you could afford to like budget away. We didn't even like talk about budgets for the most part of my family. And I know a lot of people have the same issue. So is this like something that only like rich people can do? Or is this something that anyone can do where they are? Let's debunk some of this so more people realize they have more options. I love that you asked that. So let me give you just like one example of why that's so not the way that it is. <laughs> um, you're a personal trainer, right? That's right. How many times have you had a prospective client come to you and say, I want to lose 10 pounds first before we put a plan together for me, before we put me on the scale, before we put a nutrition program. To, I, I want to get here first yeah. and then we'll do all the things that you're probably going to tell me that I need to do. Countless and in your mind, they're like, that's not how it works. Like we sit down, we discuss your goals. We discuss, you know, when you want to get to these goals by. And I, as the professional, you as the professional, put a very strategic plan together for your client. And they either implement that plan and they get to those goals because you know what you're doing right. or they don't. And it's that simple. And it's the same with financial planning. No, you don't have to have a certain amount of money in your bank account and a certain income to have somebody like myself sit down with you and give you advice and make recommendations. Um, that is a huge myth. And it's unfortunate because people do not take the time to have these conversations. Um, they don't feel like they are allowed to, which is super sad. Um, they, you know, are maybe embarrassed by their, their situation or some of the mistakes that they have maybe made and they're, they're making up for it now. But what I can assure you is that this is for everybody, whether you are um, just starting your career, you're in your early twenties and, and you just got your first job and, you know, you want to put some money away and, and be smart, right? or you are well into your career and you, you know, want to do some bigger, better things with the career that you've created and the income that you have to getting married, right? Joining your bank, joining bank accounts and, and having those conversations, those uncomfortable conversations with your new husband or wife, right? Talking about purchasing a home and, 
having a family and all of the above. So the conversations are for every single person in every single situation. Um, we do not discriminate against, you know, an income or, you know, what type of job you have or what your goals are, right? There are some advisors that are 10, 20, 30 plus years in the business and they may say, and they are allowed to say, because it's their practice, that, you know, I don't sit down with anybody unless they make this much money. That's okay. They are limiting themselves right. to have an opportunity to sit down with somebody that is right at the beginning of this stuff. And that's their choice, right? I, however, and I, I'm only speaking on behalf of myself, but I, however, um, actually love more than anything is sitting down and talking with somebody with a very clean slate, right? Because then you have this blank canvas to really create whatever you want to create, whatever that looks like. And the beautiful thing about having an advisor that is as involved as I am with my clients, you can ask all my clients how many times they hear from me. Too many times. Is Randy again? Like again? <laughs> I like to be involved. Uh, and that's important because as you've seen and will continue to see, you know, life can change in a blink of an eye yeah. from, you know, one moment you're single and six months later you're engaged. Like that wasn't a plan, you know, and then six months later you're having a baby, you know, all these things change. And when it comes to financial planning, you need to be prepared for all of life's good things and all of the things that pop up sometimes that we're not prepared for, the risk management side of financial planning. Right. So the short answer is, <laughs> not gonna get many of this for me, is, uh, is yeah, that's a 100% that's a myth um, that you need to have a certain income or you know be in a certain position or place in your life to have these conversations. The answer is absolutely no, no. I appreciate that. And what I'm, else you got? Well, okay. Hey, wait a minute. Are you interviewing me now? Water, by the way, everybody. Listen, you can be fancy. You can drink. You can drink fancy. Better coming out of a wine glass. It looks better. I'm actually a little disappointed. <laughs> I have a regular cup. I say I have a regular cup, and you're over here with this house pour of water in your wine glass. I'm like, oh, she's doing it big. Um, <laughs> so, who would you recommend? I know you said this is for everyone, but. Different question. I'll rephrase it. How much would you recommend people be saving per month towards the what ifs in life? Because I've always heard 20% was a good number. Obviously, that's not feasible for a certain segment of the population. But that number could also be wrong. That's just what I think I read somewhere. But that person could be wrong, too. So how much would you think people should be saving per month? And what's a good number to keep just saved up? as like a emergency type fund? Yeah, it's a great question. So two part question, answer to your first question is, yeah, the, the number is 20%. It hasn't always been 20%. It was 10%, 15%, and it continues to go up because A, life is way more expensive now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago with the rate of inflation, yeah. right? That's the first reason. And the second reason is, people are living longer. They may not necessarily be living longer in a healthy fashion, but they are not dying 
at 70, 80 years old anymore. You know, my grandmother's 91 and she's not going anywhere anytime soon, although she would love to, um, but she's just kicking it. And, you know, I, I, I hope that my parents have a long, long life. And one of the misconceptions is that, you know, you only need a certain amount of money for, you know, a certain amount of time, but a lot of people are, are running out of money. They're outliving the amount that they saved, thank God they had something, but they're outliving it because it wasn't enough. They didn't put enough away. So the answer is yes, um, 20% of your income, you have 100% of your income, 20% of it should be carved off for savings. And that is a lot of different vehicles, right? Emergency savings, which we'll talk about next, um, retirement planning, right? Um, whether you're saving for a house, whatever those goals are, but every single month or every paycheck, 20% should be going away. You don't see it. It's not included in your lifestyle, so to speak. Um, Now, second part to that answer is you're right. That might not be feasible for everybody. So the short answer is anything, right? Something and whatever is manageable for that person at that time, obviously that will change if they are making more money or, their expenses go away, or maybe they've paid off all their debt. So now they have a little bit extra that they can shove into their savings, but it's gotta be something and everybody can do something. And unfortunately they're not. And that's a big part of why, you know, 78% of Americans, as we found out through this pandemic, we're living paycheck to paycheck. And that's a big part of the reason why millions of people are now unemployed and collecting unemployment and not able to pay bills because they obviously were not prepared for something like this. Nobody was. But to kind of backtrack and answer your second question, you know, everybody should have anywhere from three to six months. We're past that six month mark, unfortunately, with this pandemic, but three to six months of emergency savings, which should be your income, right? So if like you lost your job, and you didn't get another job for three months, at least you had that emergency savings to pay your bills for those three months until you recovered and got, a, and got another job or, or, or figured out something, whether it was, you know, sell your home and, and move in with family members, whatever. You have that time sure. to not completely panic when it comes to making sure that, you know, bills are paid for yeah. and they're not going to repossess your car and the kids have food, you know? So it's important. that's, that's that answer. Um, emergency savings on the other end also should be very, very liquid, easy, accessible in a checking account, in a savings account, something that you can just run and grab for sure. emergencies, right? Sure. under the bed. That counts. Yeah. Okay. That works too. It's risky in case you get robbed, but yeah, you live in LA. So. <laughs> no, it's dangerous. I can't check the mail with my gun. Like, Yeah. See y'all. Careful, be careful. But yeah, and so also too, you know, that 20% um, should be diversified into different areas, right? So that's a whole nother conversation. Um, A lot of detail goes into that, but ultimately the short answer is if you can do 20% and it doesn't change your lifestyle, right? You still have 80% of your income that is used for not only your fixed expenses, but then also to have fun and live your life. And the, the other 80% is actually broken up into 50% and 30%. So it's the 50 
30-20 rule. It actually should be the 50-20-30 rule. So 50% of your income is for your bills, right? Your fixed expenses, rent, mortgage, car, groceries, you know, school, whatever, whatever those regular monthly bills are that come out every single month. 20% goes away. Right. Goes to savings, goes to retirement, goes to the house that you want to buy, whatever. And then 30% should be for discretionary stuff. Dining out, you know, movies, things that we used to do. <laughs> it's like movies, did you mean Netflix? Because there's no such thing as movies anymore. Oh, I like that movie, Stream. and it's Netflix is a fixed expense. It comes out every month. <laughs> oh, you know what? See, that's... I got ahead of myself. You know, I'm not, I'm not the financial, that's, that's on me. <laughs> yeah, you're me. learning, you're learning. Um, but yeah, so, so that's, that's the short answer. <laughs> like you keep telling me like four minutes later, you know, I'm going to keep it short guys. Um, I did this entertaining with it, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here for it. I did this thing, um, I did this thing like a year ago, maybe two years ago. And I didn't, I'm going to ask a financial person, you can tell me if you think this is, good or bad so i like to get little gifts for christmas and stuff for people and a couple of years ago i wasn't financially where i wanted to be whatever but i have a big family siblings nieces nephews what have you right and so i decided to put ten dollars aside every week up until like the week of christmas which is basically 50 weeks and i said okay that will give me five hundred dollars to spend on gifts and it was a very at first, it was like 10, 10, maybe a couple times. Like, if I could put that 10 away, but I'm going to do it, whatever. And then Christmas time came, and, you know, I had to make sure I had to be smart about the gifts. I'm like, all right, each kid is getting $50 worth of stuff. My siblings are getting this. My mom gets the lion's share, what have you. But it was a really, like, I mean, I felt like a gangster. I spent, like, 485 of the 500 Everyone got something. I wrapped it myself. I didn't want to pay anybody for that. I, like, I did the whole thing and everyone was like, oh man, you did so much. How'd you do all this? And I looked back, you know, from January 1st to like December 20 something at this point. And I was like, man, it was just $10 a week to like have that day to make everyone happy. But that's not, that's $40 a month. It's not like, it's not a lot of money and $10 a week seems really feasible. I don't know if you would advise anything even close to that. That's just an experience that I had. I think someone posted it like in December, you know, guys saying they can't save. $10 a week is 500 something a year. And I was like, that's not, that's accurate. Let me try it. And I yeah. just like did that. So yeah, it's, it's so funny because, well, first of all, I mean, how good did it make you feel that you were able to give gifts to everybody, right? Like awesome. that's definitely what you wanted to do, but you yeah. had to somewhat compromise your lifestyle a little bit, $10 to make sure that you were able to do that. And not only were they super grateful. I'm sure that they loved what you got them, but it made you feel good, right? Um, you know, most of our clients and most people in general, I find, and this is obviously something that's worked for me too, so I can share from my personal experience, but, you know, when it comes to savings, right, if there's not a strategic plan, and by that I mean, you know, something automatically coming out, going in, like you could set stuff up through your bank, you know, and then obviously like if you have some sort of vehicle that you're putting money into, whether it's retirement, right? Like with your 401ks and stuff yeah. like that, like it automatically comes out of the paycheck. Like you don't have to do anything. So when it's easier, 
like that, where it's set up, that's much more helpful for people versus them having to like do the math and like go into their checking account and say, oh, it's this amount. So I'm going to put this, take this out and put it into the shoebox, or I'm going to roll it over into my savings for my checking by clicking the buttons on the app or whatever the case may be. Right. But if there's a strategic plan every single month, this dollar amount, which is something that I can manage right now, where I won't feel it, it's not going to change what I'm currently doing with my life. All my bills are paid. I can still have fun and enjoy. This is the dollar amount that I can do right now. You should do it. Everybody should do it. And it could be $10. It could be $10,000. Everybody's different. Right? So for me personally, I have obviously certain systems set up that are automatically coming out. I just don't feel them. I don't see them. They don't change my lifestyle. I forget sometimes, you know, they're just going and they're going to a place that I know that works for me in my life. Um, So that's like, you know, my, my best advice when it comes to how do I do it? Right. Well, you have to set up a plan that is going to do it for you essentially, because it gives you one less thing to have to worry about. Gotcha. Okay. So now let's, let's dive a little deeper. Let's say, because I'm in there. So let's say you've been saving for like three to five years. You got a nice little chunk over here. When would you recommend digging into that account to make moves? Is it just for like a car, house, marriage? Emergency savings? Yes, it's emergency savings. So my advice is, you know, you should always have that emergency savings there for emergencies, right? Now, if you have short-term goals, like in three to five years, you want to put a down payment on a house or you want to buy a new car or whatever the case, you want to go on vacation, right? That should be a separate savings account, right? That should be a separate place that is a liquid, like that savings account, right? It's not locked up in like a 401k or an IRA or some of these funds that you can't touch until you're 59 and a half. You have to have access to them and not be penalized knowing that you're going to touch them before you're 60 years old, right? You've already decided that. So that emergency savings should not be used for other things like a down payment on a house or whatever. That emergency savings is there for strictly for emergencies and it should only be touched when an emergency happens, right? There's peace of mind in that, knowing that you have that, right? And then you should have another vehicle that is, this is my new car fund. This is my new home fund, right? So there's plenty of options, but like it's all emotional and habitual. It's all psychological, right? Everybody can do this and it is for everybody, but if it's not important to you, right? And that's one of the first questions that we ask when we're meeting with with prospects that are hopefully going to become clients is how important is this stuff to you, right? How important is it for you to save money, to have a strategic savings plan? How important is it that you buy this car next year? How important is it that you have the home that you're envisioning and dreaming of next year? Because if it's important on a scale from one to 10 being a 10, we're going to do it. We're going to help you do it, right? So, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So... Let's I don't know what the question was. I just said yes. You just went going and they were like, and um, I have a number two, please. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, what does that do what we just talked about? No, I got what you said. So you answered the question? question. You answered the question early on. 
you definitely took me for a ride at the end. I, I don't know where we left. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I'm like, what's, what just happened? Trees are killing people? So <laughs> you basically said the emergency fund is the emergency fund. If you need yeah. to fund something else, that should be a separate fund. That's yeah. what I got from what you said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like a, funds. New home funds. So you said, yeah. funds, right? So like, would you recommend having like four or five different bank accounts or is this just? No. Okay. No. Okay. Because I'm not. Yeah. Then, yeah. So like, so, so how would you separate? Could you have multiple? Like, again, I have a banking and a savings with one account, then I have a business account. That's a whole separate thing. Yeah. Is it possible to have multiple savings on a singular account, so you could be like, or is that? Well, easy? or or you could just, you know, if if you need to separate it, you know, you could have different accounts for different things. But or you could say like this account should never be below this dollar amount, right? So your, let's just say hypothetically, your emergency savings is $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. and, you're, and you need to save another 10,000 for a down payment on a, a new car or a new house or whatever, right? So now your goal is to get that savings account to $20,000 right. and you don't let it go under 10,000. If you have an emergency, you take what you need and then you systematically pay that emergency fund back as soon as possible. And then obviously, like, if you take that extra 10000 out for whatever that short-term goal was, you have to set up a, a plan to refund that, that goal, right? Or, or put whatever you want to put away for the next goal, right? I mean, we're always, if you're, you know, like you and I, you know, an entrepreneur and you got big dreams and, and hopes and goals for yourself, you know, every year minimum, you know, you're thinking of something, right? I just bought a new car. Yep. Right. I waited yeah. two and a half years to do that. Right. I've been driving my dad's beat up old forerunner. That's a good car. You put some respect on it. He cried when we traded it in the other night. Um, because it's been in the family for 15 years oh. and it's very sentimental to us. And um, he let me trade it in to put a little money down on my new car, which is really nice. But, you know, I waited to be able to do that. Did I want to do it last year? Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have done that last year. But I knew for myself financially, it just didn't make sense. Right? I, I made sure I was at a point, I had enough money that I could do something like that. So that's just kind of how it works. Right? So it sounds like what you're saying is delayed gratification is the key to a successful life. Did I wrap that up? Was that tight? Was that concise enough? That's, that's beautiful. That's yeah, very know, cool. you know, I've done this a couple of times. It's fine. I would, I would really just say that, you know, you, you have a plan or you plan to fail, right? And you know that as a trainer. You know, if you have a plan in place and you write these things down and you have the strategic, you know, things happening to get to those goals, whether it's like, okay, I've decided this is the car I want. This is what it costs. This is how much I need to put down on it. This is how much I need, you know, every month to pay off, you know, the bank loan or the lease or whatever the case may be. You have to figure out what it's going to take to get there. And everybody always says, and it's kind of funny, I need to make more money. And that's not the answer. What does Jay-Z say? A lot of things, but... <laughs> Problems. Problems. I was going to say, Jay-Z said, if you can't afford something twice, you can't afford it. He also said 99 problems. And <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I mean, we can pull out any problems. Yeah. He knows. You know, so no, the answer to saving is not 
making more money. You make more money, you'll spend more money. <laughs> I made more money. I bought a new car. Right. I didn't have to buy a new car. I wanted a new car. The other car was going to get me from point A to point B, but I wanted a new car. So I had to set myself up in order to do so. And I didn't do it overnight, right? So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> every, every response with a yes. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, uh, no. It's going to be my answer to that one. <laughs> I remember the question because I'm so jarred by the ending of it. Um, 401ks. I don't know how I don't know how deep you can get into this, but there's what they were supposed to be, and then kind of what they are practically. Back yeah. in the day, I think you were supposed to retire on a 401k because yeah. people stop working at a certain point. People don't really stop working now until their bodies allow don't allow them to. So people work longer, but there also seems to be less. ROI on the 401k than it used to be. So what's your policy on how to use it, how to fund it, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So I'll just start off with, I'm not an expert in, in 401ks and investments and stock markets and all of that stuff. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, I have a lot of people on my team that I actually bring in on certain meetings when it comes to, you know, investor profiles. And when you're talking to somebody that has all these things and they're wondering yeah. how they all work together. But the most simplest answer when it comes to 401ks is you're absolutely right about the fact that they aren't what they used to be. And I'll give you a perfect example without going into too much detail. Um, my mom worked for ExxonMobil one of the largest companies in the world um, for 20 years. And she was funding her 401k for a large part of that. I don't know if it was, you know, 20 years, but it was for a large part of that. Right. That company matched her percentage by a lot. And I'm not even going to give you a number because it's unnecessary. But so much. Though, yeah, no, but they just, they, they, the number that they were able to do, and I don't know if they still do it, actually. I, you know, I'm interested to find out. I should call somebody that still works there and, and see how much it's changed, right? She's been retired for 10 years. Mm -hmm. But she was able to retire before she turned 60, right? She was able to live a very comfortable life, still is living a very comfortable life. Um, because of that vehicle, right? And I don't know all the details of my parents' personal financial yeah. stuff. They'll never, ever, ever share all that with me, um, which is fine. But what I can share with you is that what, what she had um, is just not available to us. It's just not. Um, so no, you can't retire solely off of 401k. And because we now know that, or some of us know that, and it needs to be, you know, spread around to young people, you have to have other buckets that you are funding outside of a 401k, whether it's at work or on your own, you have an IRA, there has to be other places that you can put money into that you can essentially grab. The other things about 401ks that aren't necessarily, you know, we can go like the pros and cons list, right? So like 
The pros are that if you have a 401k at work and your company is matching, you should be matching. You should be putting in what they're matching because they're matching it and it's free money and you should take it. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? It's free, right? Like when you get unemployment, like take it. It's from the government. Take it. So that's the number one thing that people don't really understand, like the the ins and outs of how that works. So could you put in more than what your company matches? Absolutely. Like that helps you put more money away. But you want to make sure that it's the right vehicle for you, right? So there's traditional 401ks and traditional IRAs. And then there's Roth 401ks and Roth IRAs. And the difference is the taxes, right? You can put money in from your gross income. And that's going to be taxed on the back end. So that's a traditional IRA or traditional 401k. Or you can put money in that's already been taxed in your Roth 401k or Roth IRA, and you're not going to be taxed on that when you take distributions out in retirement. There's limits. You can only put so much money into these vehicles before they say you can't fund these anymore, right? When you reach a certain income bracket, an income limit, you can't fund a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. The government says you make too much money. They want to tax you. You can only put your money into a traditional IRA or traditional 401k, and then you'll get taxed on that. So we always encourage people that are making a certain amount of money and it's not reaching that limit yet to fund those Roth 401ks and Roth IRAs as long as they can, because it's gonna be beneficial for them in retirement when it comes to tax purposes, right? So that's just a little like quick information about how those work. The other thing that is not necessarily a positive for young people like us, is that the flip there. we're young man we know um, like me <laughs> um is that this money is for retirement period end of story it is not to you know grab and go take a vacation it is locked up in those vehicles which is good for some people they shouldn't have that access to that stuff as easily as they would like because it wouldn't be what it would be 30 years from then. So long-term planning in a 401k or an IRA, you can't touch it till you're 59 and a half, the government says, otherwise you will be penalized. There's certain reasons that you could take it out for like first time home purchases and different things like that. But for the most part, it's in there and you just let it go. And it's in the market. It's another thing. It's tied to the stock market. So in March, when our economy went into the toilet, everybody was freaking out yeah. about their 401ks and their IRAs and anything that they had that was tied to the market. Why? Because it went like this and they couldn't even look at it because the day before it was here and then 24 hours later it was here. And they're like, where'd all my money go? That's the way that it works. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because when you're in something risky like that, that is volatile because of the fluctuation of the market, it's going to go like this. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. The unfortunate thing is that for those people that were retiring this year, if they took distributions out because they had to, because they didn't have another plan, they took their money out of loss. If they were able to, either continue working and let it build back up or retire, but not touch it because they had another fund that they could take distributions out to pay for their cost of living for the next year if they needed it. 
That's where the planning piece really comes in. You can't just have one source to take money from. And it definitely shouldn't just be a 401k or an IRA. You have to have different buckets. Did that answer the question? Well, I was was waiting for the yes. We didn't, like, you conditioned. Yes. (laughs) We were like, yes? The answer is yes. Yes. The answer is always yes. I wish we could, like, write on the screen. I mean, you can probably so, share this. You can I was sh- going to say, do you know how to do that? No, you don't. You're I, don't know why. I don't know why I'm catching strays right now. We're trying to help people with financial literacy. And you're over here. You're making still fun learning my, Zoom. Making fun of my technological skills. Everyone knows I'm not good with technology. I talk about it all the time. I know. Like, this isn't news. This happened. It's like, good, though, here. I'm you sent me the link. We're recorded. You got a cool background. I don't. It's all right. Listen, well, your backdrop is fine. I've done, I've, I've, if you knew where I was to where I am, you would be like, dude, you're basically like Steve Jobs level. From I, like I used to be, you know, floppy disk guy. I used to be burning, I was burning CDs in college still. I didn't have an MP3 player. Like it's, yeah. You've come a long way. I know. That's, that's all I need. I want you, I want you to big me up a little bit. I'm that's proud it. of you. Hey, this is good. Sure. You know, it's making me feel good. You know, you. I needed that boost because, you know, it just took me down a little bit. So why do you think that there isn't more conversation around this for younger people? I've said many times on the pod, I think there should be, when you're young, between 10 and 18, basically, there should be some courses on credit. There should be some courses on emotional intelligence slash stability. And there should be some on financial planning. Because those are the three things that I feel have way more impact than geometry, then, yeah. which is cool, than trig, than yeah. AP, the AP US history. All these things that they actually, FCATs or whatever your state tests are, they put so much emphasis on those things. But as a person growing up, I didn't know what credit was until I got to college and then I just took a couple credit cards because it was offered to me. Right. I didn't know about emotional intelligence and how to deal with having often good and bad days until you get your heart broken a couple of times and listen to a couple CDs and you're like, oh man, that song's really hitting me. I definitely didn't know about financial planning until I got my 401k at like 25. And they were like, hey, you're making this much money. You should start putting it away. So when you're 60, you won't be poor. And I was like, oh, thank you, random employer person. Right. So, HR guy that I'll never see again. Right. So like, yeah. why, so why do you think there's not more conversation around this? So... I'm stumped, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you? yeah, like, I mean, I can tell you, you know, I can give you like my opinion, but as far as like why there isn't better resources, I don't even know if that was good English, there aren't better resources. It's fine. You just I'm a grammar police, so I got to fix it. Um, when we're younger, you know, I, I don't know, but there, but there isn't. And, you know, and that, that is, you know, it comes up in conversation all the time when I'm speaking with people in their 20s, 30s, and even in their 40s, you know, they are like, I wish I would have learned this stuff sooner, you know, and I love that part of my, of my job is the education piece, right? At the end of the day, I'm a teacher and I love educating people on the things that they just didn't get when they were younger. And if you don't have the resources um, through family or friends, 
where are you going to get it, right? You're only going to get it if you look for it, which most people aren't. It's just not, you don't wake up in the morning and you're like, I want to learn about this stuff, right? And even then, like, there's just so much to know, right? The only way people get this information is if they sit down with somebody like myself, you know? And it doesn't have to be me, but people that do what we do that help people make plans, talk about the importance of this stuff, risk management, retirement planning, accumulating wealth, you know, giving them the information that they want and helping them come up with plans and strategies to get them to where they want to be, right? So I don't, I don't really know. Um, it's, it's wild to me too because I have sat down with people that are extremely successful and you know, making very good money and have been very fortunate with, with the choices that they've made and been very lucky that nothing has happened to pull them out of their, their life where they are, you know, not able to work and collect their income and fund these vehicles. They've just been blessed, right? And they don't know anything. So it, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it's mind blowing, honestly. Um, I will say on a lighter note, it's wonderful because I will always have a job. <laughs> there are too many people that need what we do. And I love nothing more than having those, you know, like first initial conversations um, to get to know a person and understand what they don't know, what they know, what they want to know right? And give them some information and some education. Um, and you trinkle it, right? It's not, it's not like, this is everything about financial planning. And this is everything you need to know about the market. It's everything you need to know. I don't even want to know all of it. It's a lot. But the basics and the foundation to this stuff is very, very simple. It's everything that we just talked about. Those are the most important things. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, why it's not as accessible to young people. And, you know, obviously there's things that are apparently more important for us to learn when we're in school and, and college. And, you know, I don't know. I have, a theory. I have a theory and, you know, I can't substantiate it. It's just what I feel. I think part of it is our parents, for the most part, don't have the knowledge either. Because you can teach a lot of this stuff at home. Like teaching how to use a credit card is, you can do that in 10 minutes with any kid who understands basic math. Don't spend more than you make, right? Credit card debt is just, I spent more than I could pay back. Like in a very like, just like reductionist kind of thought. But then the idea of, well, if you do buy something, have enough to cover it. So it actually is good to use a credit card if you want to pay it because now you start building a credit history. And yada, yada, yada. Like that's an easy conversation. But what happens is our parents are in credit card debt and they're trying to get out of it. And then their kids walk into the same world and they get into debt too. And the parents don't have a way to say, hey, don't do what I did. They are trying to figure their own situation out. Right. Um, I have the whole thing. Like my, my parents are in their 50s, so they're not particularly old. But if your parents are 60s and 70s, the generation they grew up in wasn't big on emotional intelligence. It was, for a lot of people, dad working all day, coming home, lunch pail, watching the news, let him chill out for an hour, 
just to decompress. Then you come in the room, hey, Dad, what's going on? Man, you know, in the shop, working hard, trying to make sure you can go to school. And the wife is just like, hey, that, honey. Is that how your dad talks? Huh? Is that how your dad talks? No, my dad's from the islands. He has an accent. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and the wife just like, you know, doing what she does. And there, was, there, was, there weren't these deep emotional conversations. And so because they didn't have the background of emotional intelligence, they couldn't teach it to us. And there are courses of that in college, but there aren't that in undergrad. There's right. no collective on like emotional connection. And there's definitely nothing. I mean, I took microeconomics in like my junior year in high school. So I understand supply and demand curves, but I still didn't understand this. Right. Because, so it was like, I don't know if that's, if that's more important than this, but that's just what the curriculum was. So I think it's the generation before us. And again, their generation before them. They didn't have the knowledge. You have nothing to pass down. Yeah. We're getting the knowledge now. So now our kids should be way better equipped because now we know better. Yeah. Um, oh, somebody's at my door. Oh, check it. Hang on one second. Okay. <laughs> Wait. No, just me? go. Just no. Okay. This is not supposed to happen. People don't interrupt their podcast <laughs> with answering doors and whatnot. Very unprofessional of Randy. I'm just joking. But I do think it's a good discussion to bring these kind of things to light because we don't, yeah, I got you. I can see you. <laughs> like, I don't know what this is at the door, but this is a conversation that I wish I could have had growing up about planning. I mean, I was fortunate to get into the 401k when I did because some people saw the value of that. And they just told me, basically, if you put 100 away every pay period in 25 years, it's going to be worth 30,000. And I was like, all right, well, 100 is not a lot. So sure, I can do that. But if it, had they never presented that to me, never would have known. I would have just spent 100 on Jordans or a shirt or something. So hey, Randy's back. Hi. Why don't people listen? Good question. I Specifically, I had two big boxes that needed to be delivered to my apartment because they're too big for me to carry. Mm. I bought patio chairs for my patio nice. after almost living in this apartment for a year because I live here all the time. <laughs> oh, so my I've other sitting, house. I've been sitting on one of those like fold-out chairs that you bring to like the soccer game. Those are awesome. No, no, don't don't knock those chairs. Yeah, it's great. But I wanted to like create a sanctuary out there for myself because it's class it up a little bit. And it's beautiful. Class, you, you, a new really car. you can't so, buy a car and not have chairs at your house. There's priority. Now my chairs are here. Um so sorry everybody, a little interruption, but I want I wanna um before we before we end our call, I want to kind of add to what you just shared. Okay. Um because I think that you spoke to a lot of people with sharing that, that can 100% relate to that. Mm. However, it's not relatable for everybody because I didn't have that same foundation in my home growing up. Right. So, and I, and I think that it's funny because I actually think that our parents' generations, my parents are older than yours, they're in their 60s. But even so, the generation before us actually was better at saving. 
and even before them, even better. So I think it's actually just unfortunately gotten worse generation to generation. Everybody's different. Everybody, you know, had different education and resources and, you know, made different decision, decisions with what they had. But I had all of that. And I still made mistakes. Mm. So my dad was a financial advisor for 18 years. And my mom was an executive for one of the largest companies in the world and worked for like the VPs of the organization and, you know, had resources and he had resources and they had a financial advisor. They have a financial advisor that they still work with. You know, my dad was a financial advisor and had a financial advisor. Right. Why? Because I don't know about you, but like I need a trainer, right? Like I know what to do in the gym. I know what to eat to not gain the quarantine 15 again. Like <laughs> I know what to do. Right. Do I do it? No. Sometimes, <laughs> but not all the time. So what happens is if you're someone like me, so maybe some people can relate to my experience is my dad was always telling me the importance of saving. Always. Did I listen? No. I rebelled. I moved to New York City when I was 25 and I spent every penny that I earned. I paid my bills. I was always, always in a position to live within my means because I never wanted to need anything from my parents. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be independent and financially successful. And I like popped out of the womb, like ready to go to work. I've been working since I was like 16 years old and I have not stopped. And I always have had that entrepreneurial mindset, whether I was working for an organization or working for myself, to be in a position to take care of myself financially, right? Everything else is a mess. But I was going to be able to take care of myself financially. Emotionally? Don't talk about it. Financially? (laughs) Yeah. Mess. Um, So, however, I really didn't get the knowledge and the understanding and the foundation to all of this until I got into the business. Did I have the resources? Yeah, I had all the resources. Did I want to sit down and talk to my dad about saving money? Never. We actually never fight. And the only thing we've ever had disagreements about and arguments about was money. It's the only thing that my dad and I have ever you know, not been okay with talking about. And it's funny because he had the same relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. Anytime that they would talk, and I didn't meet my grandfather, he passed away right before I was born, but anytime they would talk about anything, it would always be about money. And my dad hated it. He hated it. And he decided that when he had children of his own, that he would make his relationship with his children about everything but that. So even though he definitely always was like that angel on my shoulder and advising me about the importance of saving and don't spend everything that you earn and don't buy the most expensive car and don't get the most expensive apartment and stop shopping and all of those things, right? Go to this grocery store, it's cheaper. This one's more expensive. Why are you buying salmon from this grocery store? We've had an actual fight about that. Yeah. Right? 
you don't want to sit down and have these conversations with your parents, let alone do they want to have them with you. It's so much easier to separate that. And I think that's, that's a huge miss is either your parents don't have the knowledge and the resources and maybe are still working on figuring some things out on their own before they feel confident to have these conversations with their children. Sure. Or the other side of the coin is they have all the knowledge, but it's just uncomfortable right. to sit down and talk to your children about the importance of, of financial planning and savings and risk management. You know, like nobody wants to talk about that, let alone with your parents or your children. So what I would say to anyone that's like you that maybe didn't have those resources and didn't have the knowledge from family or friends, didn't get it in, in school, um, and it's just starting to, to grab a hold of this stuff now in your 30s, is reach out to people that you trust, right? Go talk to those people that are in your life that are very successful, that are making good money, that are living a comfortable life. Like, ask them, like, how did you do this? And what are you doing when it comes to saving? And, you know, do you have a financial advisor? Do you have somebody that maybe I could sit down and talk to and get some advice and recommendations because these are the goals that I want. These are the things that I want to achieve, right? And then the flip side of the coin is people like me, you have to either go to your parents and sit down and talk to them. Like if you know that you have parents or family members that are educated in this stuff and have the resources to help you, you should sit down and talk to them. There's nobody better to have these conversations with than, than your family members because you trust them and you love them and you know that they'll do anything for you. So that would be my first piece of advice. And then my second piece of advice is if you don't want to go that route, then you should go to a friend or somebody that you, that you know and that you trust that you think because you don't know, right? My dad always says, don't count other people's money, right? <laughs> that you know, yeah, that, um, that will give you the right tools and advice and point you in the right direction. And then the last thing is, is that you have to be held accountable, right? And that's where I come in for my clients is I hold them accountable to the things that they told me that they want, right? If they want to buy a house next year, this is what you have to do to get there. And if it's that important to you, then we have to do this. And I'm going to hold you accountable to make sure that it's happening. Yeah. And next year when we sit down and we review everything we talked about last year, you're gonna have all those things that you wanted because I made you do them, right? I helped you devise a plan to get you from this year to this year and achieve those goals that you wanted to achieve, right? You have to have that accountability. And you know, yeah. right? Like your clients need to be held accountable to coming and showing up and working out with you, whether it's in person or Zoom, and you're holding them accountable to their nutrition and their diet and the things that they need to be doing when they're not training with you. And if all of those things and sleep and all of the stuff that they need to do to achieve their goal isn't cohesively working together, yeah. they're either not going to get to their goal, which is worst case scenario, or it's just gonna take longer. And so that's the other piece is, when do you start? Yesterday, that's when you start. <laughs> Because there is a significant cost to waiting. The less you do now, the more you have to do later. 
If you are not doing a single thing in your 20s, you have to do so much more in your 30s. You're not doing a single thing in your 30s, you have to do so much more in your 40s. You better be making more money because you have to put more away or you work forever. The end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's you know that I'm kind of sort of passionate about this stuff? I'm sorry if I was spitting on the screen and screaming at everybody. We can't, we can't see it, but we can definitely feel oh, it. I need a drink. Some H2O to wash down all this knowledge. You're dropping knowledge bombs right now. Am I? Yeah, I think so. I think people at home will appreciate it as well. So we're going to let you go because you're all gussied up and I'm sure you have other calls to make and you got to check. got people in. to help. Not enough time. You have millions and millions of people who are like, Randy, I'm going under. And you're like, no, you won't. I have some spackle. You know, I'm going to save your boat. We're going to keep moving down the road. I got you. Um, do you have any parting wisdoms for people? Because we're going to like have links and all that stuff out later. But like, do you have any parting wisdoms for the people who, you know, you've already dropped a lot. If you don't have anything else, that's cool. Because you've dropped a lot already. But I always want to give the guests the last word. Just in case. Um, you know, I think the only thing that I would that I would leave people with, and it it has to do with all of this, but it's really you know generic and just life lessons, right? Things that I have I have experienced and I have learned and have been very very useful and helpful for me. I would say number one, you have to ask for help. You have to ask for help, and the answer is always no, unless you ask, right? So this entire conversation is going to impact one person, a hundred people, just because they, you asked, right? To do this with me. And they're taking the time to sit here and listen if they've made it this far. Right. So you have to ask for help. And the other thing too is, you know, when it comes to the world of, of, of finances and, and money and retirement planning and savings and all that stuff. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, emotionally weight bearing, you know, and it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. It doesn't have to be any of those things. That is a choice that we make, right? It is a limit that we put on ourselves, right? So when it comes to these conversations, if it's important to you, if it's important to you to lose 20 pounds and you can't do it on your own, you have to call Chris. That's right. If it is important to you to get out of debt, to save money, to buy a home, to protect yourself and your family, God forbid something happens, you know, plan for long-term goals, short-term goals, if those things are important to you and you just can't do it on your own, you ask for help. And it doesn't have to be painful, right? One of my favorite sayings, and I'll leave you with this. There we go. Is <laughs> suffering is optional. Mm. Optional, right? Like we really do create a lot of the stresses and anxieties that we have without even knowing that we're doing it. And then when we have them, we escalate them. 
we take them to another level where they're debilitating and where they like stop us in our tracks and we can't do the things that we want to do and be the way that we want to be for the people in our lives, right? So choose otherwise. Yeah. Yes. And the answer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, but they might. Um, this has been amazing. I'm happy. It has you, been amazing. Yeah, I mean, we knew what it was. Like, we knew pre-show this was gonna be fun. Yeah. And thank you for getting gussied up. You know, because last time I saw you, you know, I, I had to ask you if it was windy outside. And it was like, is it windy out? Like, shut up, I just worked out. I was like, okay. I, yeah, I like to do my Zoom calls like right after my workout, side pony. I don't care. Yeah. But for yeah. you people. <laughs> yeah, for the millions, millions of our listeners and watchers, you decided to get Gus up. We appreciate it. Um, we're going to have more information about how people can possibly contact you if they have yeah. more questions and all that good stuff down the line. This has been dope. I hope people at home, you found this to be useful, like I have, and you can seek out more questions, maybe get some more answers, maybe get on the right track, because it's never too late to get started. Absolutely. Never too late to get started. You can start today. You can start for whatever you can afford, and as you grow, so does your plan. Yeah, 100%. We see, grow with you. See how look at you. See, look, you see that you see that alley you right I'm about there? to recruit you, man. That's but I know your clients need you. They need me, and if, and they'll be mad. I'm like, hey, you know, I was supposed to train you, but instead, I'm training people on financial stuff. So you're gonna have to just be out of shape. No, you're just <laughs> gonna keep doing what you've been doing, which has been phenomenal, and I'm very grateful. Um, is connecting me with those quality people in your life, those people that are probably watching this. Sure. Um, making that connection because my goal is to help as many people as possible while I'm on this earth. And I want to meet with as many good people, quality people that care about this stuff, that find it valuable, that find it important, um, and help them if possible. So yep. thank you. And that's thank what we do this. Help people. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. We'll be back sometime next week. I'm still organizing future pods, but... This has been amazing. Randy, thank you for coming through, giving us some, some light, some information, some energy. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye.